Restaurant Unstoppable episode 490 with Mike Ganino. And guess what? My boy's an author. He just dropped his first book. You got to check it out. Stay tuned. Company culture is not about some mysterious place in Silicon Valley where we all have, or Danny Meyer restaurant, where we all go to, to like absorb it. It is a thing that every single one of us can have. You know, there's a chapter in this book called Creating a Culture Pocket. And it's all about how even if you are not in charge, if you're not the like head of HR, or you're not the founder, or you're not the owner, or you're not the general manager, how you can still be responsible for culture. Because I don't believe that culture is about all of the, it's not only about the stuff written in the handbook and the orientation guide. It is about how every single person in that business shows up and how they treat each other. And in that way, everyone's in charge of culture. And I think, I don't know, for me, that's, a really positive message because it means that like if you're not happy about how work is in general there's probably something you can do about it are you ready for it factors success stories failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge then join eric cacciatore in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable what's sorcery Sorcery is AP automation, digital invoicing, and time and money saved. That's sorcery. Sorcery allows you to streamline and digitize your entire accounts payable operation. Digital invoicing backed with human verification will save you countless hours of work and increase AP accuracy. Say goodbye to your file cabinets and enter the digital world. Go to GetSorcery.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com or call 1-866-830-0691. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you will receive 10% off your first three months with no setup fees. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000, apply online, and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable you can get a $50 gift card when you qualify that's cabbage with a k line of credit is subject to credit approval c terms and conditions all cabbage business loans are issued by celtic bank a utah chartered industrial bank member fdic with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest mike ganino my man mike are you feeling unstoppable today yeah, you know what? I feel like I've like figured this unstoppable thing out. I've been here a couple of times before. Third time. House. This is your third Three time, man. Here. Yeah. And uh, just on that note, episode 267 and 187. If you want to get more familiar with Mike and his thoughts, you can head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 267 or 187 and uh, pick up from there if you'd like. And uh, Mike Nino has spent over 20 years working with high growth companies, helping create radical cultures that help create bottom line results beloved brands and engaging employee experiences. Today, he's sharing his knowledge at MikeGanino.com as a sought after speaker and as the author of Company Cultures for Dummies. And dude, congratulations. This is like newly dropped, like fresh off the presses. This is a big time for you, man. I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, the ink is still 
the ink is still hot or wet or whatever the saying is. <laughs> whatever that they happens say. to it, yeah. It's been, you know, it's been really funny. Like people sending me a text and being like, "Oh, this part is exactly what I needed," and I was like, "What? Where is that from?" And they're like, "It's you wrote it," and it's like. It's 370 pages. I wrote a lot of stuff. I have to go back <laughs> <Yeah>. and look. <laughs> and I did my best to really get in deep and to cover as, mo- as much of this as possible. But I, I, three, I'm a slow reader, man. I am a slow reader. <laughs> uh, I did my best to speed read through this thing. And uh, I took some notes and we'll go through. But before we really dive into your book and why you wrote this book and how you got the opportunity to write this book, maybe th- there's a story behind it all. Uh, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us? Yeah, it's super simple. Uh, One of the things that is covered throughout the book is how company culture is really not about perks and benefits and and all of that stuff. And it's really about relationships. And it's mostly in those relationships about the stories we tell and the stories we create for each other. So my favorite quote comes from uh, Tahir Shah, which is in the book Arabian Nights. It's like one of the old classic books that's been around forever. And it's super simple. Uh, The quote is, stories are a communal currency of humanity. And I love that because it just reminds us that no matter what we put in, no matter how we think about business and, and operations and P&Ls and customer service and quotes, it's really all about the stories we're creating for each other. So I love that one. Stories are a communal currency of humanity from Tahir Shah. Man, that one really rings home with me. It really resonates with me. Stories are, say it one more time. I just want to make sure I get it right. Stories are a communal currency of humanity. So here's why that one really hits me deep because it's a communal currency, right? And I feel like knowledge is our most powerful thing. And the more knowledge you have, the more value you are and the more valuable you are. And I feel like before we really uh, had, we actually created things that our currency, like gold and coin and dollar bills, our value was our culture of how well we were or how good we were able to pass down that knowledge, how, to, how good we were yeah. at creating that culture and creating those, those, bond, those bonds. And dude, isn't it our responsibility to share knowledge and to pass down stories and to, to pay it forward with that, that, that social currency? Well, and if you think about it, stories are exactly what you're saying. One, it's our job to pass it down. If you think of passing it down, stories predate our ability to speak to each other. They predate language. They were like on, you know, you could go back and look at, that's why we know so much, well, not so much, but that's why we know some of the things we know about you know, like cave people and stuff is because we went and we saw the stories they told the ancient Egyptians were watching storytelling on the walls. And, you know, and there's even there, I don't know where everyone falls on the religious spectrum, but I mean, the Bible and all of the classic books from, from all of the religions are stories about how to live. And, uh, and those same things shape how we, how we work. You know what? I'm going to go back to something you said. Also, you said that knowledge is power. I think we're looping back around here. And I think we're going to find that relationships are power. Absolutely. Because knowledge is so easy to get these days until that maybe they block our internet or whatever they're doing with net neutrality. Maybe it'll be more expensive to get knowledge, but knowledge is simple. If you want to know something, if you and I are at the, at the bar having a beer and we wonder who won the Grammy for best new artist in 1992, we don't have to leave the bar unsatisfied with no answer. We Google it. And I think that knowledge is becoming um, is becoming cheaper if it is currency. And I think what we're going to find is that the people who have great relationships and who have dude fuel and create stories are going to be the winners. Uh, I love talking to you, Mike Nino. This this is the good stuff, man. <laughs> this is the stuff that warms me up on in the inside. I couldn't agree more with you, just because you know 
like at the end of the day, uh, and I say this all the time, like we sometimes we don't we don't get ahead. We don't push ourselves forward because we just say to ourselves, I, I don't have the assets I need. I you need money to make money. And dude, there's so many different types of assets out there, like time and like we what you just mentioned, relationships. If you want to get ahead, go find somebody that you admire, respect, and that somebody you can add value to their life and somebody that can add value to your life and just go be a great freaking person. Get out there and create relationships and you'll be fast. You'll be surprised how fast you get ahead, man. Oh. Awesome stuff, dude. I'm, we're not even talking about your book right now. We are kind of culture, but man, this is why I love getting you on the show. Okay, I'm, I'm jacked up right now. This is what happens when I drink three cups of coffee. I might as well have more. <laughs> and we're we're like bi-coastal reporting here. I'm yeah. in Los Angeles and you're in the East Coast. Okay, so great way to get this thing started. That was just the success quote. So moving on to your book, how did this opportunity land in your lap? Yeah. So, so the book is company culture for dummies and it's in that whole dummy series. So those have been around since the 1990s. They came out originally to teach us. Um, the first one was DOS for dummies, like MS DOS, if you remember that. And that came out in 1991. And they were always these very technical books. The idea was that they were going to be technical books for the rest of us. And over time, people said like, oh, what about a book on this or a book on that? And so now we've got, you know, 1600 versions of these dummies books out there. And what's interesting is you can't write a proposal and send it in um, like you can a normal book. Like if, if I wanted to write a book on something else, I could write a proposal, send it to the publisher with the dummy series, which is published by Wiley, which is a big business publisher. They come to you. Um, so they have to come find you. What's interesting is this book actually came up through my really good friend and my mentor and someone I work with on the storytelling and, and kind of public speaking side of the world, uh, Michael Port. And so somebody reached out to Michael Port to have him do a book. He runs a, a group with Amy Port called Heroic Public Speaking, which is all about how to be a really killer public speaker, how to connect, how to use stories with your audience. And so I'm a coach in that program as well. I teach there. And they reached out to him because he's written, you know, seven best-selling books and said, hey, would you like to write um, Becoming a Public Speaker for Dummies? And he said, oh, no, it's not, you know, not, not right now, not interested. But maybe Mike Canino would be a great fit because he's done such a good job of really kind of getting to the top of the speaking world in a short time. So they reached out and, and this is when I learned how books really work, Eric, is they said, okay, great. I thought they were going to want like a sample. And so I was speaking, I had like three gigs that week and I was super busy and I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to want a writing sample. I'm going to have to stay up all night and write or write on the plane or something. No, that is not <laughs> how the book publishing world works in 2018. What they wanted was how many people visit your website? How many people are engaging with you on social? How many people on your email list? And I quickly realized what they were coming to me for. Sure, they wanted a good book, but they surrounded me with a bunch of editors uh, so that it would turn out good. I feel like a, like a modern day pop star where it's like, <laughs> eh, you can sing a little bit, we can make it sound good. And so they, they uh, really wanted to know, can you sell the book? That's what was important is mm. it's one thing to write the book, but really it's about how is you, how are you as an author going to be able to sell and move the book? And so what I realized is like, oh, well, my topic is not really becoming a public speaker. That's not what I come on, you know, podcasts and talk about. That's not what I speak on or travel yeah. or do workshops on. So I don't know how I'm going to sell that book because, you know, if a company is bringing me in, if I go in to speak to, to, you know, Rick Bayless's company or something and I say, hey, would you like me to bring along some books called how to become a public speaker? He's going to say, no, I don't. What are you talking about? I don't want my people to leave and become <laughs> yeah. public speakers. So I told them, no, I turned them down. I said, I, I don't think I can, you know, I think I could write the book because I've done it, but I don't think I'm the person who can sell the book. And just as an aside, just as like an easy aside, I said, if you wanted a book on company culture for dummies, I'm your guy. And she wrote back, the editor wrote back and said, we don't have that 
that book. They they didn't have the company culture for dummies book. And I was shocked because I thought, of course, they should have this. And so I went into sales mode and was like, this is why you need this book. This is, you know, it's showing up in all these places. Look at this magazine, this magazine, this one, look at all these books. And nobody's written the dummies book on it, which is like, you know, a reference book. It's a how-to, how to get this done. And we needed that. And so I went into sales mode and immediately said, I'm the guy to write this book. I can I can include it in workshops. I can bring it with me when I speak. And so that was the beginning of October. And we had the book finished at the end of January. Wow, man. Congratulations. And it's kind of crazy how the world the world is working today. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to know that you also you have a following and you can sell the book and you are an expert on the topic. That really does help. And I'm happy that they gave this opportunity to you because you did a great job, man. Um, and Thank you. Some of the things that uh, we were talking about in the pre-interview chat, um, and one of the reasons why I'm really excited to share this book with my audience is because you do it. I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Ari Weinswag and his series of books and because of his ability to write in a short essay. So it's so digestible and you don't have to stay up reading like a bunch of like chapters that like get feel like you got someplace like you can read one chapter and be like, oh, I, I took something away from that. You can put it down and you can pick it up anywhere and start reading from any chapter. Your book is just like that. But whereas Ari Weinswag's book is very philosophical. Uh, and like, this is what I believe based off of the books that I've read and the influences I have. This is like, this is what I know to be true. And this is exactly how you accomplish these things. Here's a step-by-step process. Reflect. Is that what you're going for? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's two part. One is that these books, the dummies books are meant to be that way. They really, they really want these books to be, Hey, here's what I've done. I, here's what I've seen. Here's what I've done. Here's what, you know, whether I did it on my own when I was growing protein bar or homemade pizza company or at pop belly or let us entertain you, or whether it's something that I've, I've since then uh, taught people or installed at companies that I've consulted with or advised. That's what they really wanted was in these dummies books. It's gotta be a how to book. And for me on the topic of culture, uh, you know, there's so many great books out there that are about the ideas that culture matter or that really focus on mission and vision and values. But when you read it, you know, I've read so many of those books and you've read a lot of them too, Eric, you kind of leave and say, okay, so I understand the power of values, but what do I do? Do I just go in a conference room and tell my employees, let's write values? Like, how do I actually get to creating values? And once I do those values, what do I do with them? And we see that so often that companies, you know, clearly uh, went to the went to the cave in that saying, they went to the cave and they worked on their mission, vision, and values, but then they don't know how to put those things into play. How do we hire by them? How do we promote by them? How do we use them in training? How do we do things with them? And so what I wanted to do was really make sure that there was a book that said, company culture is not about some mysterious place in Silicon Valley where we all have, or Danny Meyer restaurant, where we all go to, to like absorb it. It is a thing that every single one of us can have. You know, there's a chapter in this book called creating a culture pocket. And it's all about how, even if you are not in charge, if you're not the like head of HR, or you're not the founder, or you're not the owner, or you're not the general manager, how you can still be responsible for culture. Because I don't believe that culture is about all of the, it's not only about the stuff written in the handbook and the orientation guide. It is about how every single person in that business shows up and how they treat each other. And in that way, everyone's in charge of culture. And I think, I don't know, for me, that's, a really positive message because it means that like if you're not happy about how work is in general, there's probably something you can do about it. Yeah. Listening to you talk, I can't help but think of um, Tom Walter in his book, 
uh, it's my company too. And in that book, he, he's talking, and this is your time to shine. I'm not trying to promote Tom's book, but, uh, it's a great book. By it, the way. it is. He talks about an entangled organization. And I think that's kind of like what I'm relating it to is you get to this, what an entangled organization is, is it's, it's gets to the point where every, you've done such a great job establishing a culture, core values and who you are identifying who you are, that everybody down to the dishwasher becomes a leader because they know what the values are. They know what the vision is and everybody's pulling in the same direction. And that is what we should be getting after. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's, you know, and you've seen, you've seen uh, my book in company culture for dummies. There's a, there's a chapter on vision and values and all that, but there's a lot of chapters around like how to communicate differently, how to have better one-on-ones, how to do this and that, because I feel like that's the stuff where people get stuck. There are so many great books about writing your vision and values and, and mission and stuff. And so like I covered that because we needed to, and I wanted people to have a simple framework for that, but it's really about like, okay, so now that you've got that done, what next, what are we going to (laughs) do? How are you going to live it every day? Because none of that stuff matters if the story your employees tell is, I don't remember what the mission, vision, and values are because what I see every day is not that anyway. You know, whenever I meet a company, they say, oh, our our employees can't recite the mission or they can't recite the values. I say, well, then it's because they ain't living them every day. Yeah. And you're not every day yes. because if it's something live every day we get it right dude and you, you bring up a great point and i, I was kind of bummed out earlier i couldn't find my notes i made i had made notes in my wordpress uh where i'm actually like reading and like having the structure of this this conversation but i also was reading in my car the other day and i made no, notes on evernote and um one of the notes i wrote down it's coming back to me is what i one of the, the ways you approach this book chat part two is starting with yourself and one thing I've noticed interviewing almost 500 restaurateurs now is that the most successful ones, uh, when they create their their core values, their vision, their mission, it's it's literally an extension of who they are. And one thing that you did in this book really well that I haven't seen in other books is the idea of starting with yourself. So many times we, we have this company and we have to go, uh, we're looking at a piece of paper, like what is our mission? What is our vision? Like what are, you need to figure out who the frig you are. Know who you are, start there, get that clarity of, who Eric Cacciatore is or who Mike Canino is or who Joe Smith is. Once you know who you are, then you can start living intentionally. And then you just make those things an extension of, of your personal core values and in what you, where you want to go and just creating a, a mission around it. Um, sorry, that was a little bit longer than I wanted to go, but uh, <laughs> what do you like? What do you, do you want to reflect on that? Yeah. You know, it's really funny. So there's, there's uh, two things there. One is that initially the editors were like, I don't get it. Why is there a chapter? Why does the book start? Cause it, it goes through in the first, the first chapter is about what is culture. The second one is kind of like, what is the benefit of culture? And the third one is the benchmarks. How could you measure culture? So it gets better because I also believe that if you're not measuring it the same way that you're measuring finance or something else, then it's, it's not going to get important. So you have to find ways to measure it, try new things and see if it makes it better. So that's chapter three. And then the next section is part two, which goes into two chapters. One, is about managing yourself and then the other is about managing other people mm. or other people and the editor originally was like i don't uh, i don't get it why is this here shouldn't we be leading with mission vision and values why is it there and it's because so often a lot of the people that are going to read this book they haven't stopped to think about how who they are and how they show up and in so many of the folks who are listening to to this show they're they're a lot of them are running the business and so their personal values really are the values of the organization in so many ways. And you've seen that these, you know, someone who started a restaurant and now maybe they've got a couple or maybe they still just have one, the values of the, of the, of the group kind of end up matching the values of the leader. So how much do you know that? And so that's one. And second is, I really believe that if you're not aware of how you show up every day, you've had Anise Kavanaugh on the show and she talks about, uh, you know, your energetic uh, presence, your IEP, 
And I really believe that if you don't think about how you show up and how you change the culture, uh, then then you're in trouble. And you know, you mentioned you mentioned Ari from from Zing Train and Zingerman so much, and I'm, you know, I've been. I've been going to Zing Train since, you know, 2004 or something like that. And, and such a huge fan. I, I thank him and Maggie Bayless both in the book. And there's a couple of Zingerman's references where, where I've said, Hey, uh, the way I do this is what I learned from them. So go to them and learn more about it. Um, and so that whole idea of you've got to, you've got to kind of think about how you impact it is, is something I also learned from, from both of them from being around them so much. So there's a lot of like, you know, this, this show here, the, the saying is the melting pot of mentors. <laughs> and I think I'm a melting pot of mentors where I've, I've kind of learned from so many people from Danny Meyer, from, from uh, Maggie and Ari, from the other people that I've been around. And I've been able to take it and say, okay, so how do you take all of this and figure out the best way to go forward? And that's kind of what we put in the book. And, and the very first part of that has to be thinking about how you appear in the world. Yeah, man, I love this. And one one saying that just kept on like like echoing in my head, uh, like listening to you talk. One thing I say a lot on the show is you must be before you can do. And I feel like that's what what you're talking about there. Like, who are you? Get clarity in who you are. You must be that thing. You must have these values before you can go out and raise other people up to your level. Um, and that's the thing. You, people that you surround yourself with will never rise above you. You know, like if you're the leader, they're going to rise to your level. So you have to work on yourself first. You have to be excellent first. It's so crucial. Well, and I think if they do rise above you, then they're going to rise out. They're going to yeah, rise right exactly. on they, go to the next place. Good point, man. Um, so one other uh, thing I want to touch on uh, that I really like th- this idea of, I can't remember what page it was on, uh, but I think people always, like, you, you probably notice this too, and you, you say in the book that you notice it, people say, oh, I need to create culture. <laughs> it's like, you know, like you, like, let me ask you a question. Let me pose this in a question. What is the difference uh, between molding culture and creating culture? Well, creating culture, you don't have, it, it, it is doesn't just exist. It's not an option. Yeah. yeah. You can't like start, you know, and that's, that's a funny thing. People will, will reach out and say, and I think this is what I said in the book somewhere uh, is I also don't know the page number, Eric. <laughs> um, so the, the thing that, that happens so often is people I'll, I'll, I'll speak at an event and afterwards people will come up and say, Oh, that part where you said this, that's what we got to work on or, Oh, this thing. I never thought of it that way. But one of the common things I also hear is, uh, you know, we've really been talking about, uh, you know, getting started on our culture and starting to create our culture. And I always say, well, it's already there. It's already been created. It's working. So, so what's going on in it? And I think what's surprising sometimes when people reach out to me to come do a workshop or to, uh, you know, something beyond kind of speaking to the masses where I'm going deeper with a specific company, I always say, great, I'm happy you want to work on culture. Let me ask you, what are the business issues that are happening right now? And it's always, I can always see it's a little bit like, surprising like well wait that's not you know we didn't come to you because of a business issue we came to you for culture and it's like right but your culture is always always driving some kind of business issue so if we start there and say well what is it is it customer service is it sales is it teamwork is it uh you know creativity is it follow what is the issue that's happening in the business that makes you say we have a culture problem let's try to fix that problem through culture instead of applying culture as like a topical ointment let's use it at the root because it is at the root if Mm. your team isn't caring about service or caring about sales or caring about you know cleanliness or whatever the case is it is a cultural issue first and you've got to start there and so the idea that you don't have a culture and you need to go find one and bring it in it doesn't work like that it's not a book on a shelf it exists 
And if you're smart about it, you'll figure out first, where are we today? So that we can figure out how do we how do we go from here to there instead of coming in and applying topical ointment. And that yeah. is what I see so often. And and I think too a lot in a lot of the culture books, they're well-meaning, but I think that's the approach they take wrong is they say, hey, leaders, go off into a closet and write the values and come back and tell everybody. No, that doesn't work. There is a current thing happening that we have to figure out first. And that's a lot of, you know, in the chapter where I talk about mission, vision, and values, I talk about going and listening to the stories in your company. There's a whole outline for a workshop. Like, how do you actually do a workshop? And I've never seen that in, in one of these culture books before. Yeah. But how do you actually lead a workshop on getting to your values? What are all of the steps? And I think there's four or five pages on the exact process that I use to help companies unsurf them. And what they do is they go listen to the actual stories people are telling in the business. And they say, which of these do we like the best? Which of these feels most like us? And then how do we grow that? And I think that is where we got to start with culture. Yeah, I love that, man. And you also, um, one thing I love that I, I didn't see before uh, in any other book is the culture survey. Because you're talking about how, like, wh- where's the problem, right? Like, where do we start? Like, what, like you, you got to get that data and you put a really <laughs> cool uh, advice in there on how to uh, have a culture survey using tools like uh, Google Forms and SurveyMonkey and just keeping it super simple, asking a few questions to get the information. And you got to get out there and talk to your people. You got to find out where the pain is. You got to ask them like, what's wrong? Like, where are you on a scale from one to 10? Like really get a gauge of where you are. And do you, do you want to pick up from there? Well, yeah, it's, it's so funny because, and, and you've probably seen this or at least heard this. This is like the joke, right? Is people hire a consultant and the first thing a consultant does is just go talk to all the people in the company to yeah. say, what do you all think we should do? And the answer is usually in there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, I think, um, I think the other thing that happens so often is that people do these surveys, they do these employee engagement surveys and then nothing happens. So if you, if you think about that chapter in the book, benchmarking culture, it specifically says like, not only how do you do the survey, but what do you need to do afterwards? Like, again, one of my goals in this book was to give people like, this is what you have to go do. And so it talks about like, how do you launch the survey? What do you actually explain to people? How do you tell them about it? And then it gives you really specific follow-up, how you can even do a workshop around the, the culture survey. So once you send it out, what happens so often is you go out and you ask people their opinion, and then you never tell them what you heard, what you learned, and what you plan to do with it. And so that the goal for me in that chapter is regardless of whether you ask the one question that I recommend, which is based on the net promoter score. Uh, from the book, The Ultimate Question, but doing it from an employee way, an E-NPS score, employee net promoter score, or whether you're asking 500 questions and you're really trying to understand like what color wallpaper do the employees like best, either way, that shouldn't be the end of the conversation. It should be the beginning of the conversation. And that's in that chapter, that's what I was really trying to get across is use this as a way to ignite a conversation about culture. Yes, man. Uh, I'm loving this conversation. Uh, We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you a question around what is like the, the true Mike and Nino uh, authentic uh, original thoughts from this book, because that's, that's something I really want to get after back like almost a month ago when we're like, how are we going to attack this? Uh, So we're going to cover that as soon as we get back. Everyone loves processing invoice after invoice. It's the best. (laughs) Not really. Just the sight of a filing cabinet is enough to make you sick, right? It doesn't have to be that way. With Sorcery, there's no more manually processing invoices by hand and no more cutting check after check. With Sorcery, you can organize all of your accounts digitally, scan your invoices, and pay your vendors with just one click. It is easy. 
Sorcery offers fully managed accounts and statements reconciliation, so you no longer spend hours on the phone with your vendors and banks that stinks. You now have the peace of mind knowing your accounts are being taken care of, and you can get back to work doing what you love, running unstoppable restaurants. Go to GetSorcery.com, that's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com, or call one 800 Six six eight three zero zero six nine one. Mention Restaurant Unstoppable and receive ten percent off your first three months. And say goodbye to your old filing cabinet and hello to the digital world with Sorcery AP Automation. To be unstoppable, most restaurants require a little extra capital from time to time. It happens, right? Uh, when you need funding to like renovate or buy equipment or manage cash flow, you don't have time to just track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. And that is where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. And if you apply online, you'll get a decision right away, which is pretty awesome. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You'll never have to reapply to take out additional loans, and you only pay for the funds you use. Yeah, you're impressed, and I haven't even gotten to the impressive part. Cabbage has helped more than 130,000 businesses from every industry with over $4 billion in funding. Like, awesome. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company not once, but twice. Check out Cabbage at Cabbage with a K dot com slash restaurant unstoppable and you'll get a $50 gift card when you qualify. That's Cabbage, K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash restaurant unstoppable. Line of credit is subject to credit approval, see terms and conditions. All Cabbage business loans are issued by Celtic Bank, a Utah chartered industrial bank member, FDIC. We're back. So uh, earlier, Mike, you had mentioned that there's you know a ton of company culture books out there, and a lot of uh, the stuff we see in all these books. I mean, they have to reappear. They have to resurface because they're so uh, relevant. Like creating a mission statement, having a vision, having core values. Like those things are worth writing and bringing back to the surface time and time again because they're so prevalent. Uh, but how I think one thing that we one thing we're supposed to do in this life that we're given right is to take what's been figured out. Uh, you know, collect as much of it as possible, look at it and see our, create our own original thoughts, right? To take what has been done and to build and compound off it, to take it to the next level. So what aspects of this book are the, that version of Mike Ganino taking it to the next level? Huh? This is a good question, right? Because there's so much, it's also so hard after, after being in the industry for 20 years and being around so many great people and, and being part of such great growing brands you, you are, I feel like a little bit of a melting pot where it's like, Ooh, I like the way that person does this. And I like this and I've learned that and I've seen that. And so I've kind of like become this, this little, you know, uh, melting pot of all of these ideas. (laughs) I think the one thing that is, that is maybe uniquely me and is the thing that I, you know, it's, it's when I speak or when I lead a workshop, the, the moment where I see people do the, the, you know, the sideways, there's two times when they give each other the sideways glance, you know, you see two people in the audience and, or, you know, at a workshop across the table from each other and they kind of look at each other like, oh, that's right. It's usually one when they, when they think, oh, he's talking about our boss right now. They give each other that knowing look of like, oh, that's Bill, Bill's like that. And the other time is when they realize, oh, that's what this is really about. And I think that part for me is that I really, really believe 
that culture is mostly about relationships. Mm, yeah. That relationships are a fundamental part of culture and, and how we, how we do things. And it's our relationship with the, the business, our relationship with each other, our relationship with the actual work we're doing, the relationship we have with our customers and our community. But I think that it's ultimately about relationships. And I think when you read the book or even just when you pick up a section, I feel like that's underscored throughout every part of it. Whether I'm talking about how to have better one-on-ones, whether I'm talking about how to break the performance review and read better, how to, how to increase diversity and inclusivity, how to use improv at work. That's a chapter in here that's kind of fun. How to use theatrical improvisation at work. Uh, and even the chapter, I couldn't resist even in the chapter on um, mission and values. I couldn't resist making that about relationships because I recommend you do it as a group and that you go explore it together. And I gave an example of a workshop in there that you could lead with your team. So you go do this on your own. If you can't bring me in, then get the book and you can follow along. I think what is underscored here that is uniquely me is that culture is ultimately about relationships. And, and those relationships are ultimately about the stories we leave and tell about each other. How do I feel about you? How do I feel about us? How do I feel about what we're doing? And so I think that's, I, I hope that that comes across in every chapter is that no matter what I'm talking about, training on, there's a, there's a chapter on training. There's, I think one of the, the I've never seen a chapter. Uh, I wrote a whole chapter on onboarding. There's a whole entire chapter on how to do on onboarding of new hires better. And I feel like if, if people in this audience are going to listen, are going to go read one thing first, they should listen to that because it is the place where people just don't do this very well. And I've never seen someone in any of these books write a chapter about how onboarding really drives culture, but I so believe it does. Even in that chapter, it's about relationships. And, and I think ultimately that's my contribution to this uh, world of culture books. All right. I want to go deeper in this thought of culture is about relationships. And I wouldn't mind dissecting a little more um, some of the, the nuggets you pulled out uh, of the value of onboarding. Uh, but man, I couldn't agree more with you uh, when you say culture is all about relationships. And I don't know if, did you ever get the, a chance? We're just going to freestyle at this point. We're just gonna have a conversation. I don't know where <laughs> we're going to end up, but have you ever picked up the book? Uh, Sapiens, a, a brief history of humankind. No, it's in my, it's in my um, Amazon list, but oh I'm not ready God, yet. Dude, you are going to love that book because so much of what we are, we're talking about relationships. Like he really dives into like the emotional and like social intelligence of people and how dependent we are on that and how we have been so dependent on that for tens of thousands of years leading up to almost like just about like 200 years ago. Uh, and we have literally evolved to need each other, to need those relationships. And in the past 200 years, we don't need each other anymore and we don't know how to handle it. And I think that's a, a kind of at the core of, a, of what's out. What's what's, what's what, I can't talk. I'm so jacked up right now uh, with the issue in today's society of just not needing each other and not having those relationships and everything's so transactional that we are lost. Do you want to reflect on that? I mean, I think that's, I think it's so true, but I also think it's really interesting because you know, we, we often talk about that with looking at the internet and looking at, it's, it's interesting because it's both ways, right? Like the internet has made it easier for us not to have to connect with each other, but it's also made it easier for us to find each other. Like if there was no internet and there was no podcast, like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have never, I would never have met you, Eric. We probably wouldn't have had as many conversations and texting each other and Instagram messaging about what's up and what are you doing? We wouldn't have had all of that without that. So in a way it's, it's really interesting because I, I, 
this topic comes up so much. And we talk about the internet making it easier for us to be separate, but then the internet also brought us closer together. We talk about social media being a way for us to disengage and just kind of like scroll through and double tap uh, pretty pictures. Uh, But it's also been a way for us to find community and to, to connect with each other. So it's really interesting. Like it's uh, it's like these two forces pulling at the same time. And it is hard, I think, for us as individuals to figure out how do I do this in the right way? How do I make sure that I'm using all of these powerful tools to actually connect with the right people and do that as well? And I think that I, you know, it's, it's one of the things I have this like belief. Somebody asked me like, why do you, why do you care so much about the, the work side of things? Because I do a lot of um, coaching for people on public speaking. So if someone's you know, a leader is going to go speak to their team. They're having a big annual meeting of all their managers. I'll do coaching around that or, or somebody has a new book coming out. I'll do that. And, uh, and always through the storytelling framework of how do you create a great engaging experience, which is the same thing I'm doing on the culture side. And so somebody asked me like, why do you keep coming back to the culture topic? Like, why not just go be, you know, a really high end public speaking coach to people? Cause you know, people love to buy that cause they're scared of speaking. Why not just go do that and not do this culture side? And for me, it's because I believe that people go to work. It's what we do. We work. People go to work. They have to work. They want to work. They need to work, whatever the case is. And there's this remarkable power that business has to change the world. I believe that. I believe that. And and we're seeing that actually in some ways uh, politically and legally where where there's stuff going on in in our country that a lot of people disagree with. and, And, you know, Times when maybe the government is slower to take action, companies are standing up. You know, companies are standing up and saying, we're not going to sell this anymore. We're going to have higher standards. And I believe that that same thing happens when we create better cultures. When we think about how do we become a place where people can become better versions of themselves? Like when you think about building a culture where people come in and they leave better than they arrived because of the relationships they have there, that is something worth building. That is something yes. worth building. And I think that for me, the like passion part, the like part that gets me, uh, that gets me kind of jacked up is if we do it right, then work can become this really amazing transformative place for people. And it has been for me. It has been when I've been on really great teams, when I've had people challenge me, but I knew they cared about me. Uh, I've been able to grow and change and become a different person. And I, and I think that because so many people go to work every day, if more people thought about what that experience was like and in thought about how to create relationships, we could really change some stuff in this world. Yes, man. I agree with you 100%. And I, I think one of the, the biggest issues with the world is that we, there is this sense of work life balance and not necessarily this is just sense of instead of like, why, why say I, I gotta, I gotta go to work today. Why not say I gotta go to life today. And like, you know, and like live intentionally and don't go to work, create a situation for yourself where you want to be there. And I also feel like there's a sense where uh, employers feel like they don't have any obligation to their employees beyond giving them a paycheck and whatever uh, other things they wrote, you know, wrote down on paper agreeing to provide to you. It didn't. Do you, would yeah. you say that there that, that you know it's very transactional of like I don't people want to create a a, a a business for themselves where they don't have to be there like the, every I feel like everyone's like oh like I'm gonna create this business and I'm gonna train people and I'm gonna go sit on beaches why in the frig not create something like where you actually want to be there every day and that you can make an impact like what is the sense of like 
you know, retire at the age of 30 and not do anything. <laughs> like, do you feel like that's out there? And like, I feel like it's a lot of bullshit personally. We've read too many Tim Ferriss books, I think. Oh man. Well, I, I, you know, when I sit here and I record these episodes, like I kind of want to like teach people how to show up and go to a job they want to be at every day. So they don't feel like they have to escape it and they don't have to automate their business completely. Why not automate it? So like you can go on vacation if you need to, or if somebody close to you passes, you can go to a, a funeral or your or a wedding, you know? And I feel like we are, we're so bad at creating systems in our business that we, we can't do the things that we want to do if, if, if we had the option. Um, and just if you can get to that point where you can do the things you want to do, but you also want to be at your business, I think that's kind of this culture that you're, you're talking about. Maybe I'm drifting from the core of the conversation. Well, no, it's exactly it. Because imagine if you created a culture where the team didn't need to be babysat. And this is the thing I see so much this like, you know, in, in Nick Cirillo's book, um, A Slice, Slice of, of the Pie, pie he yeah. talks about command and control versus yep. trust and track. And imagine if you created a business where you didn't have to uh, command and control because you've been different. And the thing that I hear so often is, well, I don't know where to find those unicorn employees. And it's like, you got them. It's your job to create that. Yeah. Mold them. Like you say. Yeah. Yeah. Create a culture where that's the thing. The the amazing thing is like you, you were recently in Japan, right? Uh, where were you? Thailand. Okay. So when you go to Thailand, this is the power of culture, right? So when you, when you get to Thailand as an American, it's a different experience. And, and we call that culture shock because all of a sudden you're dropped into this other world. And I'd imagine, I know, I know you, uh, you know, pretty outside pretty well, I guess over the years of watching you, watching how you experience things and listening to your interviews, I feel like I know you a little bit. And so I'd imagine when you were in Thailand, you wanted to experience the real stuff. You didn't just go lay on the beach at a resort. <laughs> you were going out and checking out the markets yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Be careful trying to experience the food in Thailand. Uh, you will get the full experience. I know. Bring the emodium, huh? <laughs> yeah. Keep going. <laughs> and so the idea is that culture shapes our behaviors. And so when you're in Thailand, you act a certain way. You watch, oh, how do they do that? What are they eating? How do they go to the table? How do they sit? What's the vibe? Uh, it's just in, in the book, I think I talk about going to Italy. And I remember the first time I went to Italy and I went to a coffee shop or a place to get coffee. It's such a different experience. You, you recognize when you walk in like, oh yeah, people here are getting coffee. That's what they're doing. But it's so different. In Italy, you like squeeze yourself up to the counter. You like yell at someone what you want. They hand you a little, a little cup. You drink it really quick and you leave your money there. It's not like, oh, I'm going to order. I'm very orderly. I'm standing in a line at Starbucks. I order. I wait for my drink. That's not the experience. So you recognize that we're getting coffee, but it's such a different cultural experience. And that cultural experience shapes you. And I remember by, by the you know, third day I was in Italy, I was like a total espresso ordering pro. And I imagine for you the same way in Thailand, you're like, oh, I get how this works. I get how we order. I get how we do this. I get how we cross the street because culture has this amazing way of shaping the way we act. And so if you are unhappy with the way people are acting in business, it is because you have a culture problem. Mm. Man, I'm loving this conversation. One more thing I want to, to dive into. You mentioned it earlier, but you were on a roll and I didn't want to derail you um, that like you and I, like you, you talked about how I'm trying to paraphrase this the best I can. So in the sense that we are getting more and more transactional uh, relationships, you brought up the point that with the internet, we can reach out across the world and develop a relationship with somebody uh you know, anywhere that has internet and the big, these communities are forming online. I challenge that, 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 that quality of a relationship 
online is not the same thing as as showing up every day in knowing people that are in your immediate uh, community, right? Um, because Mike, I, I'll be honest, man, I love you. You're a great dude. I could talk to you all day, but I'm not that close to you. Like, I don't really know the true Mike and, you know, like I, I get the over, you know, the overarching, like I have a feel for you. We get along. I, I admire your work, but I don't know you like, you know, like to be honest, I, I would love to get to know you. I would love to build this relationship, but I feel like right now I, I could think of probably a couple hundred people that I have similar relationships with you. When I've interviewed 500 people now, right. Um, that I connect with a few people really well and we, we, we keep in touch, but in bringing it back to sapiens, a brief history of uh, humankind, uh, we as human beings can really only manage well, no more than 150 relationships. Well, because we spent thousands of years grow evolving in super tight knit relationships, tribes of like 50, no more than 50 people. Um, so, I mean, I, and to kind of come full circle, you said that culture is about relationships. I agree with you 100% that because we're realizing we're evolving and realizing that shit, we can't be as happy as we possibly can, unless we are turning around and making it about relationships and going back in and being a part of a community again. And I think we're slowly starting to realize that. Do you want to reflect on that? Yeah, I think I, I have two things there. One is, I think you're right. There's something about the power of being in person. And there's actually a ton of, of like uh, evolutionary psychology and brain psychology about why that might be about you know, seeing each other on a little video is very different than experience someone, an actual person. I'm, I'm kind of hippy dippy spiritual. I believe there's a lot of energy there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's the same reason that we still go to conferences. Like mm -hmm. whenever people talk about to me, cause I talk a lot about relationships and empathy and working together and seeing each other. And, uh, you know, people talk about, well, you know, online this and that, and it's like, well, then why do we go to conferences? Why don't we just all do, you know, why don't we just all, all watch a summit and record a video and read a blog? There's something about being in person that changes us. And we are social beings. So 100% that is different. On the other side, I will say that for, for you and I, in that example, another example that's very similar, I have a really good relationship with Bruce Irving, who runs Smart Pizza Marketing and, uh, and podcasts and everything. He and I probably talk to each other once a week. Um, I've been on his weekly show maybe 20 plus times. Uh, we, we talk a lot. We've only met in person once for, for like an hour. We recorded an, an episode live together once when he was in LA, but he and I talk a lot. So I would say, Eric, you're right. You and I kind of check in with each other here and there. And we've, we've done this three times in a row where we're aware of each other. But if we were talking to each other every day, the same, you know, the example you gave is if we were you know, in the same building working together every day, it'd be different, of course. But it would also be different if you and I chatted every day for an hour online in video. Yeah. We would be much closer than than we are too. So I think that those are No, I get you. I get you. Um But I but I do think, I mean again on the first point, I do think there's something about the human experience that the same thing in person would obviously be better. So if I had a choice between, you know, spend an hour chatting with Eric online to get to know him or every day or spend an hour in person with Eric every day to get to know him, I'm sure the in-person would, would result in a much higher quality relationship. Yeah. But I think both could be really good. No, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I, I can think of a few people that I have really good relationships with online that the people that I host my mastermind, for example, like they're becoming like brothers to me. We, we meet twice a month and, and I hear their stories. We're keeping each other accountable and like 
you know, and Brooks Tanner is another example. This guy, we, we, he was a past guest. We talk like once a week now, you know, and I have really close friends and he's in Philadelphia. I've, I've met him in person one time. So, uh, no, I get what you're saying. Um, but I feel like in the war of restaurants of who's going to come out on top, right? Um, we're getting to a point where food has kind of hit a ceiling where we can't do food much better in regards to quality. We've kind of figured that out. Um, so it's going to be a matter of creativity and people doing something that's truly unique on the food front. Like I think they're going to take the lead, but ultimately the restaurants that do the best are the restaurants that create the cultures where they attract onto themselves the best people, because ultimately at the end of the day, it's about attracting onto yourself the best people. Those are the people who have the best people win, right? Would you agree to that statement? Oh, totally, totally. It's all because it's all related to two core things that that I believe and that we we talked about. One is we we're always trying to have a great experience, and so whether that's your guest or your employee, and two those experiences are mostly made up of a bunch of little stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. And the people that tell the best stories win. It goes back to that quote at the top, like story is this communal human experience. And the ones who tell the best stories, the ones who create the best stories win. Yeah, man, I I, I agree with you. And I think uh, when we look, when we peer into the future of uh, what these, this this industry looks like, I think that we're slowly becoming more and more wise to how much we need each other and how important relationship is. And I think that you can't beat, the quality of a relationship in a small, close, tight knit group of people. And I think that in like 10 years from now, like those are the restaurants. You're going to see a bunch more fragmented operations in the future because you can only really get that true, genuine sense of community when you're touching the people next to you appropriately. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? When yeah. you can reach out and be and yeah. hug and just absorb that energy and let it really affect you. I think you can't compete with that. Do you, what do you well, think? And that's, and that's part of why I originally started, started getting on this whole culture thing. It's like way back when I was a, um, when I was a, a training manager at pot Billy sandwich shop, like back in 2002, I, you know, we had at the time, we probably had 20 locations or so. And what I started noticing as I, as I went from location to location was, well, wait a second, we have the same training program for these employees. We have the same set of values. We have the same set of of leadership training. Everybody has the same, the same decoration, the same music, the same everything. Why does it feel so different location to location, right? Because it's all the same. Why wouldn't it all feel the same? It's because of culture. It's because culture is always going to play down to the lowest common denominator. So if you have a big corporate culture, but then you have divisions and regions, and then those regions have single locations all the way down to in our industry, in the restaurant industry, the shift level of culture is always going to get down to the lowest common denominator. It's always going to work down to that. So are you running great shifts? Are you running great restaurants? Are you running great regions? And what I saw as a trainer at Potbelly, because I had this really interesting, uh, you know, I kind of got to be a a, a sociologist of sorts because I got to go location to location to be like, well, wait a second. Why does it feel so different? Why is there better customer service here than the other one? We have the same set of customer service rules. Why are these people better trained? We have the same set of training that they've all completed. They all passed the test. Why does it feel so different? Relationships. Yeah, which is relationships. <laughs> it all comes down to that. Yes, and, dude. and you see it play out like everywhere. Like why does one mastermind group work and the other doesn't? Relationships, culture. It is all about that. Man, I'm a loose cannon, dude. Sorry, I want to ask you questions about the onboarding process. And we just totally got like <laughs> way the heck out here in this deep conversation. But I, I love these conversations. Uh, and um, I love speaking with you, man. You're great. Do you, do you want to bring up 
a little bit on uh, the onboarding uh, section, or do you want to save that for another episode in the future? I'll let you decide. Yeah, let's. So let's do two things. One is if you're uh, if you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking about getting the book, uh, chapter ten, which is onboarding new hires. I promise you, it is gold for people in in uh, really in any industry. Um, but really, really good framework for how to think about it. And it gives you specific things to do. There's a checklist. There's what the first day should look like. It's uh, how to really rock that onboarding experience and why it matters because those first 90 days for people are critical. It's it's not about the first 90 days being there, uh, like probation period. You should be on probation as, a, as an organization <laughs> uh, for those first 90 days and say, how do we, one, how do we help them really understand what we're all about? How do we two help them really understand their role within it? And how do we three super important and obviously what we've been talking about for this last, uh, last bit of time, how do I help them build the relationships they need to succeed here? Because every business is about succeeding together as a group. And so what are you doing to put them into that group and make sure that they're part of it early on. It should not be that they have to earn their right to be part of the club. If that is the case, I promise you, you're losing a lot of great people um, because they don't feel like they're part of the team. They don't know who to go to. Who do I reach out to? Is it okay if I make a mistake? If I make a mistake, do I hide it or do I go share with them because they're going to help me? All of those are critical, critical things to figure out in the first 90 days. So that onboarding chapter helps you think through some ways to do that. So it's chapter 10 of the book uh, and we could literally do a whole nother hour on it. Oh man. And I would love it. Cause I really do love speaking with you. Um, you're always welcome back on the show. You know that. And I, Mike, I was going to say, so we actually, I was going to say, I, I got two copies of this book because I, I was worried. I don't know if Mike sent me two because I, I said, I haven't gotten my book yet. I wonder if we got the right address and he sent me another one, but I got an extra copy uh, signed by Mike to me. And if you want, if you're listening to this and you want one, um, maybe and your name can, is Eric and your name is Eric. Yeah. But Mike also agreed to, uh, have, um, to sign one and, uh, customize it to somebody who's out there listening. So I don't know, Mike, how should we go about doing this? I, what's what's a good uh, technique to give away a book? You're, you probably, Oh my gosh, I've never, out. I've never done a contest. This is my first contest. Oh man. Um, what about like a Facebook post? Yeah. Where, uh, if, when I, when I post and share this episode, whoever shares it and gets the most likes, uh, the number one spot will get the custom, uh, sign from Mike Nino to them personally. And whoever comes in second place, will get the, uh, the one that was <laughs> custom. Me down. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll sign it too. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you so, do, we should do like a, all the people who've been on the show can like send a book and, and people win like at the end of the year, they can win like the big, a basket of all the books because you had you had my buddy mean james on recently and you've had so many great people with books so we could do like a big box of books for somebody at the that's end of a the good year. idea oh man yeah, maybe i can fun. do that for like episode 500 that's right around the corner yeah that's fun man i dig that all right so i'll i'll figure it out and i'll put the details in the, the closing thoughts and uh mike how can we connect with you if we want to uh ask you questions about the book follow you on social media uh what's the best way to connect I'm so easy. It's just uh, Mike Ganino everywhere. So if you go to if you go to LinkedIn, if you go to Instagram, if you go to Facebook, I'm just Mike Ganino, G-A-N-I-N-O on all the platforms. And then my website, of course, is MikeGanino.com. Uh, you can sign up there. We'll, we'll stay in touch with, with ideas and stuff. In July, I'm kicking off a, a 30-day uh, series. So we're going to do like 30 days of culture. It'll be 90-second videos every day for 30 days. Uh, with quick, you know, you've read the book or you've read some of the book, uh, there's quick ideas in here. So it's not about like, this matters and you should care. It's like, go do this, go do something different and create a better culture. So in July, we're kicking that off. So everyone who's uh, who's on my email list will find out about how to do that. So you can go to mikeanino.com and just sign up for my uh, from a newsletter 
if you will. And then uh, I'll reach out to you and let you know how you can get that. And if you're listening to this later and it's not July and it's August, you can still go to my website and, uh, and we'll have that running all the time so people can get in and, and just start doing some of the work to build a better culture. So we'll get that going for you. And I'll have those links in the show notes. Uh, this is going to be episode 493. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 493. You'll find the links to Mike's book to any other book that was mentioned in today's conversation over there as well in a summary of today's discussion. And uh, Mike Ganino, again, thank you so much for taking the time to come back on the show for the third time. Uh, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Yes. What an awesome episode. Michael Ganino, thank you for coming back on the show. And the big takeaway for me in today's conversation, and I'm going to quote Mike here, there is this remarkable power business has to change the world. And it all comes down to relationships, right? I'm just going to share a thought with you uh, to kind of compound off this idea that businesses can change the world. Uh, I'm going to lay it out for you. What's happening in the industry right now. The biggest challenge for restaurant owners and operators is finding people to work for them. So as a result to this challenge, what's happening is that the, the restaurants that are coming out on top are the restaurants that have the best culture. What is culture? We just talked about it. Culture really boils down to relationships. So what does that mean? What does does it mean that's happening right now is that people are becoming more transformative. We're becoming less transactional and more transformative. We're starting to care about our people. We're, we're, We're making the business about the people. And it's those companies out there, those restaurants out there that take the best care of their people that are going to pull ahead. And that is such a warm thought to have, to know that we're moving in this direction, getting away from transactional society because we need to survive. We need to have best. We need to have the best relationships. Um, that's what's going to happen. You're going to see this happening. So if you want to survive, start taking care of your people, start making it about your people, start transforming your people, give them skills, give them values, give them something to live for. I'm getting like kind of jacked up right now. This is what happens when I record these episodes, but I'm like super excited for the small independent restaurant operator. And here's the reason why, because like we just said, we boiled it down to it's all about relationships. And here's the thing. Relationships are at their best on a small scale. We can't have a bunch of great relationships. Like we can only have so many. And then once you get to a certain point, those relationships start to get diluted because we as humans can only handle so many relationships. So the restaurants that are come out on top are the ones that stay small and try to be impactful. Uh, in those best relationships or in those tight knit closed groups, which means I think that the independent operator is going to emerge and we're going to go back to that direction of small businesses coming out on top because it's all about relationships. And that's why I'm excited. So anyway, cool thought. I wanted to leave that with you. During the interview, we mentioned that we're going to be giving away two books. So here's a plan to do that. Uh, the first person to share this episode will get a personally signed book from Mike Ganino. The second person to share this episode will get my spare copy, uh, which was signed to me, but I'll also sign it uh, and we'll send it to you. And uh, it's a great book. You guys, uh, you got to pick this one up. You won't regret it. All right. So like always, guys, please do reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Instagram, Twitter, Eric Catchatory, Facebook slash restaurant unstoppable. 
Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best serve you. I'm here to go to work for you. Take advantage of it. I'm listening. Uh, Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. Please share this resource. That's the best way to compliment uh, what I'm doing. If if you're finding value in this podcast, uh, spread the love, right? And then lastly, I am accepting a one-on-one calls. So if you want to brainstorm with me, if you're having some challenges, uh, let's talk. I've now done almost 500 episodes. I have an idea of what it takes to make it in this industry, and uh, I can help you out. And if I don't have your answers, I know somebody who does. I promise you that I will help connect you. I'll do what I can to go to work for you. So set up that one-on-one chat, one hour with me. If you're interested, Uh, you'll find the banner in the show notes. All right, guys, time to say goodbye. Thanks for sticking around this long. I love you all. And until next time, peace out.